Speaking of Christ leading the way, we're starting a new series, three weeks today, next week is, is Palm Sunday, and then Easter Sunday, two Sundays from now is Easter Sunday. Pretty exciting, pretty exciting. If you are listening on the podcast, uh, and if you're here today, I invite you to uh, take out your, uh, your scriptures, if you have that digitally or hard copy, turn to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, and if you have the Riverside app, you can follow along on the live tab that is there. Luke 9, and um, we're going to jump right into a text there in Luke 9, 51, and it says there, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And so over these next three Sundays, counting today, we are on our way to Jerusalem. We are heading toward Jerusalem, and we are fixing our eyes. The series is titled Focal Point, and Jerusalem was the focal point of Jesus' life, his ministries, in particular the cross. So we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But I do believe that in life, We tend to go through life oblivious of this main point of life, this focal point of life. It's kind of like, I don't know, St. Patrick's Day. We celebrate the good news, the gospel, liberating the people of Ireland, and we somehow have turned that in America to an excuse to just party and get drunk. I think we're missing the point, right? I think we're missing the point. And I think in life, a lot of people are missing the point. Here's another example. Last year, the last uh, ball game. By the way, three Sundays from now, three Sundays from now is opening day at PNC Park. Cool, huh? Summer is here. Yeah, it's, it's baseball season. And I'd love to go down to PNC Park. Teresa and I'd love to go down... And, and the funniest thing happened last time we were there, we had some nice seats. We, had, we usually get the cheap seats, but we had, had got some, uh, some, some buy one, get one, you know, deals. So we got some good seats right down close on the third baseline. And we're sitting there, and a row in front of us is a grandfather, a son, and three boys. And this was their first time ever to PNC Park. They weren't from Pittsburgh. They had made the trek up from the south. They had come here, and uh, this was their day, their first time in the big city, their first time to celebrate, to go to a ball game with grandpa and dad and the three kids. And the whole game, the whole game, we watched these three little boys right in front of them. The greatest baseball players in the world are playing. Some of the greatest ones. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon's out there in center field, you know. Garrett Cole's on the pitcher's mound. These kids were oblivious to what was going on. The whole focal point of the stadium, everything, the reason they go there is for the game. But you know what they're all about? Oh, man. Grandpa was just having, making memories for them, but it wasn't a game. It was cotton candy. It was nachos and cheese. It was Dippin' Dot ice cream, (laughs) the ice cream of the future. The future's here. It's still not the ice cream of the future. Um, I mean, hot dogs, sodas, and and Teresa and I, by like the sixth or seventh inning, we're thinking, it's going to be an ugly scene in that car on the way home. (laughs) Those kids... But, 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 you know, they were, they were just there for the treats. They were there for the show that grandpa and dad were giving them. 
but they were oblivious to the whole focal point of the reason they came. Years later, they'll talk about the first time they went to a Major League Baseball game, and it won't be anything about the game. It'll be about those things. I, I use that as an example because in baseball, you know, a lot of people, uh, baseball is too slow. You know, baseball is this drama. It's, a slow, it's, it's this challenge between a pitcher and a batter, between runners and fielders, between coaches and against coach and team against team and, and strategy and, and so much is happening there in this slow drama that's taking place. And there is this, there is this epic drama all around us, all around us, all the time happening. But we are like these kids at PNC Park. We're oblivious to it because, frankly, in life, so many of us are just all about the toys. We're all about the goodies. We're all about seeing what we can get that'll make us happy for the next day and the next moment. And we're clueless as to the meaning of it all and the reason of it all because we just want the treats. We just want the treats. And so you might be here today and you might be saying, you know, I, I kind of have to confess. Maybe your life is a bit out of focus. Maybe... Your days are turning into weeks and weeks are turning into months and years and you, you pause every now and then and you say, but why? What's the purpose? What's the meaning of this one life that God has given me and where am I headed in my life? Because all I can think about is the next high. All I can think about is the next show that I'm going to see. All I can think about is getting the next paycheck and buying the next thing that's going to make me look good or make me feel good and make my life more comfortable. And then you say, but is this really what life is all about? Well, I think if you're feeling that way, God wants you to know you're not alone. You're not alone. I think that the people that were following Jesus were so much like us. And as I read this story, and I've been reading over the past, the last days of Christ, I've been going through the gospels and I'm, I'm just baffled <clears throat> at, at how often they were missing the point of Jesus. So you are part of a bigger story than you realize. You are part of a bigger story than you realize. There's this drama going on, and you know what? Whether you know it or not, you're a part of it. You are a part of it. And God wants you to be an important, a bigger part of it, and play a bigger part in it. So again, we come back to the scripture. As they approached Jerusalem, when Jesus was about to be taken up into heaven, he set out for Jerusalem <clears throat> But the disciples were all about the goodies. They were clueless as to what was happening. So here he is, a man on a mission. And once he set his face toward Jerusalem, nothing was going to stop him. Nothing was going to get in his way. He was resolute. Why so resolute? Why so important? And, and what were his followers thinking at this time? What, what was going on in their minds when Jesus was headed to Jerusalem? Well, it's interesting. If we look here in Luke chapter 9, before this verse that we just read, twice Jesus had already told them that he was going to die. He was predicting the end. And, 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 it, and, and if you want to look back just a few verses there in chapter 21, or verse 21 of Luke 9, Jesus said, it says, Jesus strictly warned them, not to tell this to anyone. Peter had confessed that he was the Messiah. And, and, and he said, don't tell anyone yet. And then he said this, the son of man is gonna suffer many things and re be rejected by the elders 
and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. They didn't know it, but Jesus knew that the day of reckoning was coming. Evil was going to be dealt with. Sin was going to be exposed for all of its ugliness. In just a few short days, sin was going to be conquered. Love is going to conquer hate. Life was going to conquer death. All of this was coming to a culmination. And then Jesus told them that he's going to do this, that, that he's going to suffer and die. They don't understand it all, and how could they have understood it all? But then he went on and he said, and whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses life for me will, will save it. And then he says, well, what good is it if we gain the whole world and yet forfeit our very self? Now, that's a rhetorical question. The obvious answer to that question is it's no good if you gain the whole world and lose your soul or lose yourself. And yet, we go through life trying our darndest to grab everything we can to build ourselves up. And so often, we're losing our very souls in the process. And, and there's the paradox here. This is the thing that Jesus is saying. When I am full of myself, I am really sure to lose myself. But when I lose myself for a higher purpose, I find myself. And so we live life trying to fill ourselves up. And as we do that, we're losing ourselves. But as we empty ourselves to a higher purpose, lose ourselves to a higher cause, then we find meaning and purpose in life. So notice, it goes on. And, and in a few verses later, in verse 43, it says, while everyone was marveling at everything that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, again, second time, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, but they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them. So they did not grasp it. And they were afraid to ask about it. They were afraid to ask him about it. Now, I want to pause for just a minute and look at that last phrase. Why do you suppose they were afraid to ask him about it? I mean, if he said something so radically different than what I was expecting, I would say, what are you talking about, Jesus? What do you mean you're going to be suffering and dying? You're the Messiah. You're going to go in. You're going to conquer. You're going to be king. We're going to set up our own little kingdom here. But they were afraid because it didn't sound like good news. They didn't want to ask the tough questions of life. He had just told them for the second time he was going to die. But you know what? We don't like that news. Let's just entertain ourselves with happier thoughts. And here's the thought. Those who ignore the tough questions of life are doomed to miss the point of it. Those who ignore the tough questions of life are doomed to miss the point of life. And so I want to take a look at how these people so often were missing the point of it. Several examples, and then we're going to wrap it up here. But here's the first. As soon as Jesus said that, he's going to die, you know what they start doing? John says to James, hey, when we get into the kingdom, I want to sit on his right. When we get there, I want to be top dog. When we get into the kingdom, I want to be in his cabinet. I want to be in one of the highest positions. When Jesus gets to where we think he's going, he's going to bring me along and I'm going to be up there with him. And so, so they start arguing about who's going to be the greatest of the kingdom. 
These, these guys don't realize Jesus is going into Jerusalem to lay down his life and they're fighting over who's gonna be the top dog. We wanna be first, we wanna be first, we wanna be first. And, 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 and it's as if Jesus says to them, I'm sorry guys, because he goes on, he says, that's not the way it is. Whoever welcomes a little child in my name is gonna welcome me, but whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me for the one who's least among you will be the greatest of all. And, and, and really, virtually, Jesus is saying, sorry, guys, you've really missed the point here. In my kingdom, the way to go to the top is to go to the bottom. You go down to go up. You go to the bottom. Who wants to be the greatest of all must be the servant of all. And these guys, no, no. That's, we're, they, they couldn't grasp what Jesus was trying to, to say. And so after that, it says, Jesus resolutely, that brings us to the text of this morning. He resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem. <clears throat> But they're clueless to the bigger party, uh, bigger story. I'm sorry. It says, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and then he sent messengers on ahead, here's verse 51, into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. So think about it. Okay, Jesus is in Galilee. They're going through Samaria to get to Jerusalem in the south. We're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to die. We want to be first. No, no, the way to be top, go to the bottom. So we're going through Jerusalem. He sends people out ahead of him to tell them that he's going through because he has a mission to say, he has a message to give them. And it says, but the people there in Samaria did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. You remember Samaritans and Jews hated one another. Talk about racial and religious prejudice. It was at its peak between the Jews and the Samaritans as it is between certain people groups of our day today. And so when they heard that this Jewish man was traveling to Jerusalem, they didn't want to welcome him because he was going for Jerusalem. And then notice what James and John said. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? And Jesus turned and rebuked them. Think about that. And he and his disciples went to another village. So these people face a little bit of religious and racial prejudice. And the, and the disciples say, Jesus, can we call down a drone strike and blow these people away? They don't like us, so we don't like them. So let's just blow them away. And Jesus says, you're missing the point. He rebuked them. You idiots. You are completely missing the point. Don't you remember that I told you to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you? This is not the loving your enemy way to do things. And then Jesus heads to Jerusalem. And then Luke, in rapid fire succession, if you're following along in your text there, he tells of three individuals who said they want to follow Jesus but they all had conditions to it. Notice what it says there, beginning of verse 57. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but First, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand on the plow looks back and is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, we read that and we say, man, Jesus is pretty harsh. That's pretty rough, isn't it? I mean, come on, Jesus, can't you be a, a little bit understanding to these people and their needs? But the point that the gospel is making here is that Jesus was on a mission and nothing could 
trump that mission. Nothing was more important than that mission. Nobody who said they wanted to follow Jesus and really be on mission with Jesus could say that there's something more important in their life than that mission of Jesus. And one by one, they claimed that they wanted to follow Jesus, but let us do it on our terms, Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus, but please, let me do it in my convenience. Jesus, I want to follow you, but, but not quite yet. Jesus, I really want to be on your team, but can we play according to my rules? And we look at those people and we might laugh at them, but I'm telling you, they are more like us than you realize. Because so many of us are saying, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I'm just going to be a fan, not a follower, if you remember that. I'm going to do it my way. Jesus, thank you that you've come here to help me get what I want to get out of life. Jesus, thank you that you've come here to make my life easier. Jesus, I thank you that you came here to give me all the goodies of life. Jesus, thank you that you came here to help me be the best me that I can be so that I can make it to the top. Jesus, thank you. And that is the mindset of too many followers of Jesus. Would you agree with that? Would you agree with that? And Jesus says to them, people, you're missing the point. There are no buts about it. The mission to redeem a fallen world trumps everything. I'm headed to Jerusalem. Nothing's going to detract me, Jesus said. And so he does. He heads to Jerusalem. One more example of missing the point. And there are several in, this, in the gospel, but I don't have time to go into all of them. But the next passage, he says, you know, as he's traveling and he's going from village to village, he says to them, look out. Look, look, the harvest field is ripe and ready for harvest. Ask the Lord to send laborers into the harvest field. In other words, people need to find God. People are lost. People need Jesus. And so he sends 72 out into the towns of the village. He says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. And I'm sending you, and, and I won't read the whole story there. But it says that they came back after they had gone out <clears throat> as skeptical believers they saw the miracles that took place in Jesus' name. <clears throat> people were healed. People were delivered of evil spirits. <clears throat> All kinds of great things were happening because they went on mission for Jesus with the power of Jesus to do the Jesus thing. And whenever you're on mission with Jesus with the power of Jesus to do the Jesus thing, you will be amazed at what Jesus can do through you. And so that's what happened. They came back, and they're all excited. It says the 72 returned with joy in verse 17 of Luke 10. And, and, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Woohoo! They're all excited about what the things they did in the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing's going to harm you. But then notice what Jesus says here. He says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I say, Jesus, how exciting it is to experience your power. We like what we did through the authority of your name. And, and, and it's as if Jesus is saying, that's great, but don't miss the point. It's not about how much you can do, but it's how much God has done for you. It's about how much God has done for you. So, these are just a few examples of the many ways that people were missing the point of Jesus. 
The story of Mary and Martha is also coming up in, the, in that chapter, and we see that Mary was the one sitting at Jesus' feet, and Martha gets mad because she's so busy taking care of everybody else. But Jesus was setting his face. He was resolutely set toward Jerusalem, and everyone around him seemingly was clueless. And we, like the children at PNC Park, we just want Jesus to give us the cotton candy, to give us the nachos, to give us the Dippin' Dots, and we're clueless that we're part of a big story that's happening all around us. The bigger story we find ourselves in calls us to do two things, repent and refocus. This bigger story calls us to repent. That means to stop and look at the direction you're going and turn around and find the direction that God calls you to go. And it calls you to focus on the main thing, the most important thing. That there is a God who is on mission and he came to earth as part of that mission to show us what God is like and how God acts. And, and he showed us and taught us the ways of God. And he invites us to follow him. And he invites us to follow him and follow him in those ways so that we too could be a part of God's good news to the poor, his news to help the sick and the dying, his news to tell the world that there is one who loves them most, one who wants to forgive them of their sin, give them a new start, and begin a life that's all about making the world a better place. It was a mission of redemption. It was a mission of healing. It was a mission of hope. And Jesus is on that mission and he calls us to be on that mission. And anytime we stray from that mission, we are not healing and offering hope and helping others. And this is the higher call that God calls you and me to. And this was the mission that they were missing because Jesus was all about them in their minds. And so if this is all about Repenting and refocusing and focusing on the main thing and the message of the cross, the message of life, new life and resurrection. I, I, I really need to ask the question for you today. How have you been missing the point? How have you been missing the point? In what way are you getting up in the morning and doing your daily thing oblivious to the bigger thing that's going on around you and the more important purpose for living. As we head into Palm Sunday next week and then Good Friday, and by the way, Friday evening, Good Friday, we're going to be having a special time of worship in this building as we did up at the mills last year. Encourage you to be here for that. It's a very moving time that we are going to have on Good Friday. And then Easter Sunday. What I want you to do is still your heart and ask Jesus the tough question. Do not be afraid. Ask Jesus the tough question. What is the point of my life? What is the point of my life? Don't be too afraid to ask that question. And if you understand that's the point of your life, ask yourself, am I going in that direction? How am I missing the point of that? Talk to Jesus. Ask him, clarify your focus. Who is it in your world that needs hope? Who is it in your world that needs healing? Who is it in your world that needs to hear the good news of God's sacrificial love for them? That they can be a new person through Christ who wants to live in them and help them. Who is it in your world? Maybe you're the person that needs to hear that today. 
The bigger story is God is on a mission and he invites you and me to join his mission to redeem the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God's love compels me. Come to God. Come to God. Next week, Palm Sunday, we're going to talk about Jesus heading into Jerusalem. He gets to Jerusalem. And if you remember the story, the people there are lining the streets with their, their, their branches from trees and their cloaks, and they lay them down for Jesus to come into Jerusalem. And they're all shouting, quoting from the Psalms, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. And they're, they're celebrating in their minds the idea that the long-promised Messiah was going to come and set up this earthly kingdom. And they're all happy and they're all celebrating. And it says here in the gospel that as Jesus was going down the hill into Jerusalem while everybody around him is celebrating, if you were to look close, you'd see tear falling down his cheek. Because he sees Jerusalem and he begins to weep over Jerusalem. And he says to them, if only you had known, if only you had known what it was that was going to bring you peace. And I imagine, what if Jesus were to come driving down Coxcomb Hill and look across the valley? Would he be weeping for you? What if he were to be coming down McCardle Roadway, down Mount Washington, and looking over at the city? Would he be weeping for the city of Pittsburgh? Because so many of us are living life oblivious to the fact that there is a God who wants to save and heal and love and redeem a world. And the world is saying, oh, it's all about me here and now. I just want the goodies. Would you bow your heads with me? I don't want you to leave here this morning without talking to Jesus. I I want you to tell Jesus, Jesus, I don't want to miss the point of this one life you've given me. And forgive me for so easily being distracted from that mission. I'm so sorry for thinking that it's all about me and my agenda, for ignoring the bigger story that's playing out. I want you to talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me to find my focus again in you. Jesus, I I really need you to be my focal point in life. I really need you to be my focal point in life. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, oh, pastor, you know, I, I, I do just so easily. I, I do find myself going maybe days and I, and I forget to pray or I've not read my Bible or I've not thought about what God wants for me to do today because I have so many things. I'm so busy. I'm so, I'm so whatever. Fill in the blank. If that's you today and you're saying, God, I, I, need, to, I need to refocus my life Would you just raise your hand up right now and say, God, I need to refocus my life. God, I need you to be the most important thing in my life. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. God, I know we tend to be so much like those people who said, Jesus, I'll follow you, but 
when it's convenient, but not yet. God, there are no buts about it today. We're saying we want to follow you. We want to follow you. Whatever that looks like, for all those who've raised their hands here this morning, God, I pray that your spirit will speak to them and drive it home. Maybe there's some things that they are knowing in their life needs to change. And they've been afraid to ask the tough questions in life. They've been afraid to make the change because they feel like they're losing something. God, help them to realize that if they lose that, they gain you. They gain purpose and meaning. God, help us to see what we gain by following you. And that gaining means losing necessarily some things in this life. Jesus, we want to follow you. Lead us, I pray. Help us to make the tough decisions after we've asked the tough questions. God, we can't do it on our own, and we need your spirit. As you empowered your 72 to go out into the towns and villages, God, we need your spirit to empower us, to send us out. Help us, oh God, I pray, to receive that Holy Spirit, to trust and lean on that Holy Spirit, to be used by that Holy Spirit as we are sensitive to that in our daily lives. God, bless and touch us today, I pray, as we pause, as we repent, and as we refocus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.